Hi, my name is Jeremy Hicks. I'm one of the content creators here at the U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking and Kids Not For Sale. In our last episode, we had a conversation with our founder, Kevin Malone, and pastor, author, and speaker, Francis Chan. What brought them together to actually have this interview was creating a new video study series that the U.S. Institute is putting out. It's called Advocate. What Advocate is about is actually educating the church about how human trafficking exists currently in our nation and what the church can do to respond to it in a Christ-filled way. Today, they're gonna to talk about their mission of ending human trafficking and trying to get the church involved. Many times people think it's the pastor who should be taking those steps, but in many times it's really just any member of the church can get involved in taking a step to actually fight human trafficking. And many times people get around the idea of fighting human trafficking. We all want to end this heinous crime. But as soon as the rallying starts, it seems the hard work begins. And that's when they kind of tailor off. In this episode, Kevin and Francis talk about how they've kind of experienced the same thing. They want to get involved in this fight, but it seems like something always gets in the way. Something always becomes harder. So they spent some time encouraging each other and encouraging other people who might want to also get involved inside the church to do what Christ has called us to do, and that's to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You're going to hear the hearts of Kevin and Francis and how they really, truly want to end human trafficking in the name of Jesus Christ. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So Francis, I think many years ago, almost 20 now, at least 18, 17, that you started talking about human trafficking and you were making the congregation aware of this issue, this challenge. And that's been a long time. And I think you got some people that responded and, and took action. What would be your words of encouragement to churches, no matter if they're real small out in the country, in the, in the Midwest, if they're yeah. inner city, yeah. mega churches, how, how do you, as a pastor, share with other pastors why this is important to protect, to intervene, mm -hmm. to provide, just to get, get involved in, why, why should it be important? Oh gosh, I, I mean, it's, it's huge because when I look back at my time, you know, I was 16 and a half years at that church, like the the things that I now still cherish is I think about people that were sitting in there when I talked about, let's say, human trafficking. And, you know, there's you, you know, everything that you're doing. I think of, I don't know if you remember Ted and Sandy. She was my assistant. Yeah. 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 You know, she opened up a thrift store yes. and they're giving hundreds of thousands every year. I mean, she's older than you. Yeah. And I... That's a miracle in itself, but she's good uh, point. Good point. And she's running this thing. Her and her husband. You know, they're, it's it's crazy. And then there was a Shannon. I remember, and she started Forever, Forever Found, Found, and she's been cranking in that ministry. In the gal in Thailand, of course, We're Lana, fun. and just encouraging. And then even when I went to Thailand after leaving Cornerstone, I get there, and a guy there, you know, picks me up. I'm like, wait, I know you. He goes, yeah, I was an usher at your church. He goes, you guys talked about adoption, so we adopted a couple girls. You talked about human trafficking, so I moved our family over here to Thailand. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, our words, like, like, you know, sometimes you can look at all the people that just sit there, and like, oh, that's good, thanks, that was funny. You know, and 
you forget now there were lives that were seriously impacted yes. too. Uh, I, I think of, uh, you, you know, just even when we try to do that big outdoor amphitheater and the, yeah. the, the county was shutting it down, but, but there was that big hearing and some guy was bashing me. And then one of the city council members, um, one of the board of supervisors, I don't even know him. I don't think he was a believer. He goes, hey, I want to refute whatever that guy said about, everything that guy said about Francis. He goes, I don't even know Francis. He goes, all I know is that Cornerstone was the one church that listened to me and actually cared about the kids in the foster system. Mm. That was the one church where they let me speak at the platform. Then we moved all of our classes to Cornerstone. He goes, you, do you realize that we've never had more than a dozen parents? And that was the record. I remember you know? that. I remember then we moved that. into the church. And he says, there's over 100 people in every class. And they're taking all of our foster kids out of the system. And I just remember at that time, just like, wow, yes, this is the church. This is what we're supposed to do. Like, if you're not involved in these things, like, there's no life. Yeah. You know, when we said, okay, we're going to give away half of our finance, everything that comes in, half of it's going to go out. And every week I'd come up and I'm like, hey, look what we did this week. We built these wells, da, 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 da. and the whole place would just be cheering. And, and I'm just going, this, I was so proud of the church. I was so happy about what God was doing there. And, and I know that a lot of churches are in tough times now, COVID, yeah. everything else, but that's no excuse. Like, God sees when we care for those who are in need. Mm -hmm. And he will bless the church that goes, I don't even know how we're gonna pay the bills, but I can't let these guys starve either. Um, you know, let's cut our salaries, let's do whatever we need to do to fight some of these injustices. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's, again, it's not a guilt thing. I mean, it says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver mm -hmm. and and I think about that, I think about those days when I would say, hey guys, this is what, you know, we just said a quarter million dollars, da 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 da. And everyone starts cheering and I'm like, we're cheerful givers. <laughs> like, we love doing this, like it's a joy. And I don't know where my life would be if I hadn't spent it on the poor. Mm -hmm. Like my faith, my joy, you know, that's when my wife and I look at each other and go, do you know anyone happier than us? You know? Mm -hmm. And we're both like, no. Mm -hmm. After 30 years of marriage, it's like, but if well, we so, hadn't done that. So here's what I get. Sometimes I'll, I'll take this message of, 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 of the fight about child sex trafficking to various pastors. And a lot of times I get, we got we're doing too many other things mm. this but I, I i revert back to the bible all the occasion it talks about widows and orphans mm -hmm. i believe in my heart that the traffic kids in america today are, are modern day orphans mm -hmm. they've either run away they're from foster care uh they've been a few have been abducted but these they're in the technical terms and i've done some a lot of research on this because I believe that it's a mandate from God that we're to take care of widows, the orphans. I just really feel like every church should have some, and maybe not every, but most every, should 
should have something to do with helping kids that are, like you're talking, poor, they're vulnerable yeah. in some way, they're, they don't have parents, or I, I just, I don't yeah. know, I just think that when you tell me you've got too much going on that you can't protect kids and help kids, I'm thinking, maybe so, uh, but that doesn't resonate with me. I don't know, maybe you yeah. can help me understand Yeah, that. well, I will say pastors nowadays are under so much pressure. That, I mean, there's just, there's such a lack of unity in churches. Everyone comes as an individual mm -hmm. and everyone's got their own agenda. And so I do feel for yeah, pastors yeah, today, right. you know, everyone comes in going, you should care about this, you should care about this, you should sure. care about yeah. this. And they are just like livid about it. And you know, whether it's race, whether it's finances, whether it's you know some other injustice, yeah. there's a lot of that going on, and uh, and churches are splitting because of it, and and meanwhile they're also trying to fight just the this this sexual you know mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah. revolution type of you know freedom, um, and they've got people warring with them at that. So it's just I agree, like we've got to care about this, but I. I'm also really burdened for the church as yeah. a whole right now. It's a, it's well, a tough time to be a pastor. I, I don't know how, how it always works, but if I'm a pastor and I do have a lot on my plate, and I do agree with you, they, they really do, but there probably is someone in the congregation, yeah. someone in the membership that totally. has been gifted or yeah. if they were trained or equipped or understood, were made aware yeah. that just that one person yeah in that church could help one kid or a bunch of kids or there's something they could do so yeah. i'm not saying the whole church has that has to be their primary focus but i do believe i just don't oftentimes even hear a past just present it to to your people just yeah. say here's here's an issue a challenge i don't know if you know but but see if well, anybody I but i think that's the beauty of this series advocate you know, it's the idea of, you know, the pastor doesn't have to right. make everyone do everything. You know, that was the frustrating thing for me when I had the big church was just like, I had to be, I had to spearhead everything versus now it's just a different world. Mm -hmm. And so someone could watch this series and then bring some friends over to the house. Right. And, and I went right. through this and let it spread that way and don't. We don't have to put all the pressure on yeah. the head guy who's already... You know, one of the things I think great about you being part of this series is your ability to communicate well with the younger generation. Yeah. I really think the 20-somethings, maybe the 30-somethings, but the 20-somethings and teens, I think this is something that resonates with yeah. them and the ability to learn more about it and to be equipped and trained and understand what it looks like, I think you're, you've shown throughout your life that you have a real gift to be able to get students to one, not only hear, but to respond and take action. And I think that, I think this is the group of, young, of people in America now, the, say the young 30s, the 20s, and maybe the teens, that if we can get them engaged in this fight in the youth groups or the, the young singles or whatever it is, uh, I think these are the, the people that can really make a difference, these young people. It is, it is, and, uh, and that's why I spend a lot of time with them. At the same time, they need examples. Yeah. 
yeah. of older people who are still living by faith. And, and it, you know, that's where the church has been so backwards, that the young people do all the crazy stuff, <laughs> you know, and then as they get older, they have a kid, and it's like, oh, I have one kid, I better just stay at home and protect him, you know? And versus like, no, you want to take those kids on this journey. You want to show them a life that mm -hmm. takes some faith and risk. Um, so we really need the whole church to come together because it, it, it's not going to be sustainable mm -hmm. unless the older people are willing to, to jump in with, with that younger crowd. Yeah. When I think too, I think prayer, if a church can't do anything, they can do the most important thing, and that's pray. Pray for this fight. Pray for the people. I need covering because when you're out there pounding it and, and getting after it, there's a lot of stuff that comes at you, and I need the covering of prayer from people in churches. I really, as you know, we both know the power of prayer. I've seen it miraculously heal my son. I've seen it miraculously heal my wife from cancer. I've seen, I've seen the power of God, and I think a lot of times it was, it was began by people praying. And I remember when my son overdosed and was basically, they were trying to get us to pull his feeding tube. The most important thing I knew was to reach out to everyone I knew that, that, that knew God and ask them to pray for him. So to me, prayer is probably the most important, it is in my opinion, the most important help that anyone in this fight can provide. And if that's all you can do, that's a whole, whole lot. And I'll accept everyone's prayers now yeah. because this spiritual battle is, uh, it's challenging. So, uh, so the yeah. power of prayer is, is so important. Francis, one of the questions I have I think is important that I ch am challenged with often is, is 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 sharing uh what's happening in regards to human trafficking yeah. child sex trafficking and oftentimes people maybe hear me that maybe they don't but it's that situation where out of sight out of mind so unless it's consistently in their face or yeah. they're hearing about it, it it gets put on the shelf so again how do you, from a biblical perspective, yeah. how do you deal with the out of sight, out of mind yeah. attitude? Well, I think about uh, Haggai chapter one, when uh, God says, hey, you guys are trying to earn all this money, but you put it in these purses with holes in it. He goes, you mm -hmm. wanna know why? Because I'm blowing it away. Mm -hmm. You wanna know why I'm blowing it away? It's because you're sitting in your paneled houses while the house of God remains mm. in ruins. And it wasn't that it was out of, they chose to make it out of sight mm. and look at their own houses like, honey, what kind of curtains should we have? Meanwhile, the temple's in ruins and mm. God's saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a wreck of your life because you're just focused on yourself and your stuff. We live in a digital age where nothing has to be out of sight. You see things you don't wanna see, yeah. um, but it's just, we have to make a choice to look for opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, I get it, it's not gonna hit you every day, mm -hmm. um, but it could mm -hmm. if you choose to dwell on it. See, that was the sin of those people in, in Haggai's day, was it's like you're, you're looking at your own four walls of your house mm -hmm. and you're making it nicer and nicer and nicer 
and yet you don't care about the things that I care about. We just don't want to be people like that. And it's very easy to go, oh, I forgot. I got, well, no, you chose. Um, you chose to build your own kingdom rather than what God says is seek first his kingdom mm -hmm. and his righteousness. All that other stuff will come to you. God will take care of you, but you have to seek his kingdom first. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, sadly, we live in a time when people don't want to think about it. I get it. There's times when it's, you know, nighttime, it's been a long day, you know, and it's like, let's just watch something. Let's watch an old Saturday Night Live rerun. You know, <laughs> just, I don't want to think seriously. And I think that's where a lot of people are, is we don't, we don't yeah. want to think about this. Come on, my life is already tough. Yeah. Um, they don't see the life you know like uh paul tells timothy to command the rich to be rich in good deeds so that you can take hold of the life that is truly life mm. you know like I, I want them to experience real life and mm. real life happens when you pour yourself yeah. into people that are in need uh mm. it's That's a beautiful, beautiful thing yeah. yeah well francis it's hard to do this but uh, <laughs> i do want to thank you for coming to do the Advocate Series. Uh, and I really do consider you a blessing in my life. Yeah. You've always been there uh, when I've most needed you, with my family, with different situations that have occurred. Uh, we've had a lot of fun together, a lot of laughs, and I think we've moved the needle and made a difference for the kingdom in yeah. some ways, hopefully, and prayerfully. And uh, I do consider you a, a valued friend. Yeah. and. Uh, even though we don't see each other like we used to when we were living in the same hometown. But uh, yeah. I know you're, you're out there fighting the fight and, and a faith and, and doing what God's called you to do. And you encourage me and you're a blessing to me. And I reflect yeah. back on a lot of different things we've done together or I've heard you say. So thank yeah. you for being a good yeah. friend. Appreciate that. First, it's advocate and not advocate. You know what you said. I'm from Kentucky, and no, it's, we no, don't. it's different because it's a I verb. I said it in Swahili. Oh, that's what it offers. Advocate. Side. Because it's a verb form in America, <laughs> um, and the idea is we want to get people to advocate. Okay. For them. Okay. What was I saying? It's a it's a verb. Which you are an advocate, and we want everyone to be advocates. But uh, anyways. Thanks for that English. Aside, I, yeah, I always I have to help the white guy with his English. I didn't know you had <laughs> That's you what I do. Speak. I help white guys with their English. Um, but uh, no, seriously, though, I mean, we haven't seen each other in years, but when this opportunity came up, I made the time, one, because I want to see you, but secondly, it's super encouraging to see longevity of fighting for something. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a time when people, I mean, they, they can't keep the same job for a year. Mm -hmm. um, and so now we're talking about passion for God. Um, it's just kind of this roller coaster for people. So for you to advocate, you know, for those who don't have a voice still, and some of our friends back in the day that are still doing it to this day, 15 years later, man, that fires me up. Mm -hmm. And I hope that what we're doing here gets another generation to not go, oh, I felt emotional for a month, but now I spent the next 15 years of my life actually going after something, the mission of God. So 
Man, thanks for having me. Thank you. We'd actually like to thank Francis Chan for spending the time with us and sharing his heart to truly end human trafficking in this nation. Now, if you're thinking to yourself after this episode that you want to do a better job at fighting human trafficking in our nation, we actually have some action steps for you. Go to usiaht.org abolitionist. From there, subscribe to our newsletter. We will be sending you actionable steps that you can do to get plugged into your local community to do a better job at preventing sex trafficking and doing a better job at doing victim care for those who have been trafficked. The more abolitionists we receive, the more action steps we are taking to end this heinous crime, and we can fight together to end human trafficking in America. You can also check out some more of our content by following our social media pages or making sure to subscribe to our podcast, the Trafficking Free America podcast. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you again.